everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Well, the stats are in from the National Science Foundation. It tells us that we have between 12 and 50,000 thoughts per day. 80% of those, this study reveals, are negative thoughts. And 95% are reoccurring. The sum total of your thoughts and ideas and my thoughts and ideas is something called a world view. A world view, metaphorically, is like an HVAC system. When an HVAC system is working right, the filters are doing their job. They're taking out the contaminants and the pollutants and all of the stuff in the air. Then indoors, we can really breathe and enjoy the coolness, or if it's cold outside, the warmth. In a real way, I've just described to you God's worldview. A worldview is everything because it affects all things. And a working definition is basically, it's a comprehensive, I'm talking about a worldview, perspective from a particular standpoint. We have a worldview. You have a worldview, I do. God has an amazing worldview for everyone. On the other hand, man has a worldview where he is at the center. One is natural and supernatural. The other right here is natural. Man's worldview pretty much says we're molecules in motion. We're just just a bunch of junk from some bioptic soup. We're, We're amped up algae. When we die, our candle is blown out. That's it. A man-centered worldview says this is all there is. So go for it. Whatever makes you, and here's the key word, happy. God, though, argues, hey, I've, I've, got this, I've got this worldview for you and I want you to, to bow to me and put me at the center of your life because what's gonna happen is you're going to live a holy life. This word means set apart or wholeness. So those are some choices we have right up front. Have you chosen your worldview? Because if you don't choose one, the world will choose one for you. And a lot of us, even those of us who say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ, we sort of ping pong back and forth in this whole worldview issue. So we have all these thoughts and we funnel the thoughts through truth. 
So I can put like 50K right here. Those are the thoughts we have. Truth, God's truth is, you could say, absolute. Truth is, listen very carefully, outside of us. Truth is transcendent. God is truth. Truth is transcendent. Truth is outside of time and space. There are absolute truths that are true no matter what circumstance or situation. Truth. Truth. Man, though, says truth is not absolute. Truth is not transcendent. Truth is transitional. It's tenuous. It's relative. This sounds and feels so hip and sexy and politically correct and, and so cool. It just is illogical. I meet people all the time as we get into discussions about these issues, they'll say, oh, yeah, I believe in truth. What's true to you is truth and what's true to me is truth. As long as we don't hurt each other, everything is copacetic. Everything is fine and dandy. So you just made a self-refuting statement if you've said truth is relative. That's an absolute statement. What's so ironic is science, of course we know God created science, science lives and breathes by absolute truth. We live by absolute truth. Doesn't matter if we believe it or not. Doesn't matter if we feel it or not. Doesn't matter how we can argue a case against it. We live by truth. So these thoughts, we funnel them through God's HVAC system and we have truth. If I'm man-centered on my worldview, truth is relative, it's a moving target. Emotion in this column would be foundational. Emotion in the other is going to be a byproduct. of truth. If we live in this column, we have these thoughts and we just simply sort of hopscotch over truth to emotion and emotion is our foundation. If I feel it, it's true. I wanna go with my heart. Your emotions don't lie all the time. Our emotions aren't truthful. Our emotions take us to places, not always, but 
often that don't honor God. God has emotions too. We're made in his image. God's emotions are perfect. Yet we have to filter our emotions through truth. But over here, they're foundational. So if I think it, if that's my opinion, then hey, that's the deal. Have you wondered as you look around at the landscape of our culture, have you wondered as you've Google Earth life, you, you see these people and you're like, facts don't matter. Truth doesn't matter. It's about emotions. If I feel it, it must be real. I would argue that the most important things we do in life don't have feelings with them. The most important things I do every day, I don't feel like doing it. To have a walk with God, to have a Christ-centered marriage, leadership issues, research for speaking. Most of the time, I don't feel it. Obviously, when I make those decisions, when I live by truth, feelings follow. Heck to the yes. It's more though commitment followed by feelings on down the line. I'll talk about the results later. As opposed to this short term high or sexual hit or lie or you rage at someone. Have you ever Googled earth this whole thing and thought about how awesome Christianity is. Have you ever thought about that? We don't think. See, the problem is, and, and I fall into this category too, I think categorically as a Christian as opposed to comprehensively. So let's just Google Earth for a second and think about the benefits of this Christ-centric worldview. What has Christianity delivered just with empirical evidence to our world. The sacredness of marriage. One man, one woman. Doesn't matter how you feel about another sexual practice. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. God has given us this gift. And the church, God's word, the Lord himself champions that. How about a woman's dignity and freedom? That's Christianity. How about the sanctity of life? That's Christianity. Education for all. Who was the creator of mathematics and biology and history? God. We've just kicked him out in the 60s. We just, we just tossed out transcendent truth. And take a look at our educational system today. 
Yeah, what do we do, moms and dads? We spend a fortune and send our kids off to communistic and socialist and Marxist colleges and universities, and they're just slammed and bombarded and ambushed with this man-centric world view. You think socialism is the answer? I went to Cuba just recently to speak and to spend some time there. It is a hellacious place. I would love to take all the cool, woke (laughs) Christians and non-Christians down to Havana with me and I could take you on a 30-minute tour and you would go, born in the USA, you would be going Springsteen. You'd be swimming back. And if you study Marxism, socialism, communism, there's about 100 million graves that will be traced back to that. See, when we have a man-centric worldview, everything is up for grabs. So truth is relative. Emotion, foundational. Behavior? Well, what's the, it's really about me. What makes me look good, what makes me feel good, what gives me pleasure. The God-centric worldview starts with thoughts, ideas, We formulate those, you're formulating a worldview, whether you know it or not. It's based on absolute truth. The byproduct is emotion and the behavior is to let's write the word glory, glorify God. What does it mean to glorify God? It means to simply make his name famous, to advertise his attributes, the way you treat your finances, the way you treat that girl you're dating, the way you act toward your coach or your teacher, the way you respond to your parents, the way you lead, the way you perform surgery, the way you take care of your kids. Everything is about the glory of God. So we see a big difference, do we not? And this is not always popular. Most of the time, it's not the most popular because you're swimming against the grain of the culture. If you don't feel a lot of resistance, chances are you have a blind spot in your worldview. I don't mean we look for fights or, or we're always trying to, you know, tell people off. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying though, these stakes are so sky high. The enemy wants us to have a man-centric worldview. And his, his, his tricks are as old as the Garden of Eden. We need to take a systematic approach to a worldview. 
I could even write in cursive. Let's bring cursive back. Because I'm such a terrible speller, I can do all these like little circles and things. And is that an E or an S? So he's got it right. No, I'll probably have it wrong. Here's how you check out a worldview. Logical consistency. I'm just gonna run through this. What does it mean, logical consistency? A worldview must have claims that adhere to one another. There must be a cohesiveness. Think about the biblical worldview. And compare that to a Buddhist. You won't believe the differences. Empirical adequacy. How about evidence? Do we have evidence that demands a verdict, like Josh McDowell said? Yes, there's empirical evidence. For example, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's there. For example, the Book of Mormon, not one archeological find substantiates anything in the Book of Mormon. See, we don't know some of those things because we've never taken time to research. Christianity has a strong argument. The third one would be existential relevancy. Christianity answers the big questions of life. The origin question, why am I here, here, here? What's the meaning of life, life, life? What's wrong on planet Earth, Earth, Earth? What happens when I die, die, die? Here's what the scripture tells us. The scripture says, in Colossians chapter two, verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Truth. God is truth. This is the truth source. And God has stamped on our conscience morality. Anthropologists can't figure it out. Biologists can't figure it out. Sociologists can't figure it out. Psychiatrists can't figure it out. It's a God thing. Yes. Study all people groups. This moral stamp of truth. Truth is prolific and specific. It's inclusive and exclusive. Truth. One plus one equals two. If that was not true every time, our entire system would collapse. Have you ever thought about that? Truth is exclusive. It tells us that a lot of people give the wrong answers. Thoughts. Truth. You have the option. Emotion, behavior, results. Five questions, write these down. Let's start from the bottom and go to the top. Am I taking thoughts and making them captive? First question. Second question, am I living by God's truth and not my own? Third question. Third question, are my emotions subject to truth? 
Fourth question. Am I reflecting God's greatness in all that I do? Fifth question. Am I reaping the blessings of obedience? Because the emotions are greater and grander when we do it God's way. They might not be immediate, but they're greater and grander. The blessings, you can't even touch the blessings. My office received a phone call a couple of days ago that informed me that a guy I grew up with, in fact, when we were kids, he was my best friend, but a guy that I grew up with died. Robert was a real tall guy, very handsome, square jaw, beautiful smile, smart, athletic. He was like the man. We grew up together, pretty much inseparable. Then I moved and then I would come back every summer and spend time with he and several of my friends. I could tell even as a young guy that Robert's family, just the whole feel of them, the, the, the core was just not right. It was just off. But yet when I was 15 and moved to Texas, you know, I kind of lost, lost contact. And over the years, I heard that he got married, had a son, like I have a son, about the same age as EJ. And you know, I heard that, like many people do, I heard in high school, you know, he started, you know, smoking weed, which is a gateway drug to other things from there. He segued into cocaine, cocaine to crack, crack ultimately to meth. Very tumultuous family. He had a very tumultuous life. His brother came in and rescued him from a meth den, what do you want to call it, a meth house. And I heard about it. So I invited he and his son to come to Fellowship Church and I gave them a job. Robert, this is your chance, my man. God loves you, has a great purpose for your life. This is your opportunity to, 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 to do it God's way. He lasted for, he and his son, maybe a month or six weeks, and then he started stealing things from us and I tried to help him out financially and we just couldn't continue. Several months later, his son died in his arms of an overdose. And then, just a couple of days ago, I got the news that Robert Perry Campbell died. It's a world view issue. 
He died because he chose a man-centric worldview. It looks so good. It looks so inviting and enticing. But look at the result. Then I thought about my life. My family handing down this Christ-centered worldview to my brothers and I. Lisa and I handing down this Christ-centered worldview to our kids and grandkids, the next generation. I thought about that in juxtaposition to Robert's family, handing Robert a whack worldview, Robert handing his son a whack worldview, and now, where is Robert? I don't know. I want to say yes, he's with Jesus in heaven. Only God knows. Look at what he left on the table. Worldview. Make sure, friends, that you go God's way. Allow his truth to infiltrate your life. Die to yourself, to your dreams, and live for God, and the results will be unbelievable. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.